Hello, friends, and welcome to the most glorious of events, the Movie Mavericks Podcast. This outstanding program is hosted by two fine gentlemen, Jason and Trevor. Now make it so. MovieMavericks.com Hey now, everybody. Welcome to a special episode of the uh, Dooku Podcast. That's what I'm going to call our podcast from now on. Dooku Podcast. I'm Trevor Anderson. This is over to Jason Rugard. He's going to tell you uh, what we're talking about. That inside cut there, the Dooku reference, is for ATOTC, better known as Attack of the Clones. <laughs> I hate that acronym, first of all. ATOTC. If you're into like the Star Wars universe, which I am absolutely not, I'm on the peripheral edges. I always see it referenced like oh, that. And, you're uh, deep. You're deep. Come on. Uh, I, I used to be. Let's uh, To be honest, I had all. I still have some of the action <laughs> figures from the 80s, and I love Star oh, Wars. Sure. But I'm from the era when we had nothing. From that dry spell between 83 and 99 when we had absolutely nothing to go with. Maybe some novels that were written that were outside of the canon. Uh, and there were comic books and stuff. There was, but, yeah, yeah, some Dark Horse comic books. It's nowhere books. near as good. It's nowhere near as preve- uh, prevalent as it is today. I mean, right. kids are uh, just as overwhelmed with Star Wars material uh, from the Disney Plus, the cartoons, I and mean, just a lot more. Of the it is insane building. how long the toys lasted, though. I mean, Absolutely. on store shelves, you know, being sold new toys coming out for well, I'm mean, into the '90s, I would say, right? I mean, I think there still are uh, levels of like the Clone oh, well, sure Wars now, and Rebels. But, you know? I mean, so, this was this was a decade after you know the the last Absolutely. Star Wars movie, and there's still toys for kids, you know. Absolutely. I mean, roughly Star Wars toys have been on the shelves for 40 years, 40 plus years, which is unbelievable. Kenner, which had that toy license, uh, made a bundle off that. There's a great show on Netflix, if you haven't seen it out there, mm-hmm. The Toys That Made Us. Uh, it's the same mm-hmm. guys that did the movies that made us. Have you seen the episode on no. Star Wars? No. It's, it's I haven't great. seen the toys one at all. Oh, the toys one is is fantastic. It's just, just as I good as the it. movies one. Um, but the Star Wars one particularly is fantastic. Right. We're here to talk we had, about. We had Ewoks too. We we definitely had. Yeah, I had an Ewok pillow. Did you have an Ewok? Well, pillow? There, there were Ewok movies and um, there's an Ewok cartoon too. I think. I have the Ewok. One of the Ewok movies. There was two of them released a year apart on Thanksgiving, and I have one on store bought tape that I got from the '80s. Still, those are very hard to find. I don't even think you can find them on eBay or Amazon. Like bootleg. No, they're copies. hard to find. Um, you can yeah. get yeah the bootlegs. You can get uh, the DVD bootlegs. They're fairly charming um, for what they are. Did they come the out on DVD for real, though? I think that they at some may point, have come I kind of feel like they did at one point. I think they were attached possibly to a DVD release or a Blu-ray release at one. Is that point. what it was? Uh, maybe like I a supplementary know. disc. Those are uh, yeah. Those are those are actually well, they are what they are. But I enjoyed them when I was a kid. Absolutely, they they fit well into that universe. They didn't feel yeah. as uh, spun off as some of these newer films do. I'll give you that. And they felt uh, more as part of a whole. And for what they were at the time, that was good entertainment. You, shit, you release a, a Star Wars directed TV movie on Thanksgiving back then? I bet you, I wonder what the viewing number is. That I wonder if it's like 50 million. I bet you it's a shitload of people. <laughs> yeah. I bet you it's a shitload of people. But uh, we're here to talk episode about episode two. two, Attack of the Clone, as we make our march through the Star Wars films. Uh, in order, which not in release order, but in story order. And I don't know if that's in, in the best idea, order. as you alluded to last time out. What do you think? Yeah, I would say, I mean, after having, I've seen all three of them now. We're just going to talk about two in this episode. But after seeing the prequels, um, I would say this is, if, if you're coming to this anew, 
uh, definitely watch in release order. Uh, you know, the, watching an episode order just ruins too much. And uh, these are really set up to be watched in release order. And for obvious reasons, because that's the order in which they were released. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It just makes sense. And they're working backwards and filling in gaps. And a lot of the things, I don't know if they'd hit better if uh, if you oh, watch them the other way around. Way better. I, I mean, it, these yeah, are so because you're cold. watching... In, the, in episode two, though, there's a moment where you're watching Jedi and stormtroopers stand side by side and fighting. And the Jedis are like the kind of almost generals in a way uh, in, in during this movie. And I'm thinking, God, there's no way the importance of that would land on you mm-hmm. if you hadn't seen four, five and six first. Yeah. You Otherwise, it's see- just something that happens. It's not even that important. But if you know the the front or it's not the really backstory, it's, I guess, front story <laughs> but whatever if you know four five and six yeah then you know the importance of of uh, the clones of, of this whole idea here in this entire movie i gotta say right off the bat i still find this to be the worst star wars movie i could not get into it i tried to get into it i think that there's shots in this movie that are gorgeous there really are some shots in this that are good but i think that this movie is all storyline in the fact that it has so much plot. It's almost plotless in a lot of ways. And nothing mm-hmm. happens. In, there's no excitement in this movie. It is so freaking dull from beginning to end. And what we are given in the form of entertainment comes in that last act, which is a long last act, and that arena scene. And then you said like the stormtroopers coming. But then that gets mm-hmm. – it's a, it's a chase and then they fight again. And then Dooku and Yoda fight, and and then uh, Obi Wan and and Anakin fight Dooku, and that is not a substitute for the kind of excitement that was built with the Darth Maul fight. There's nothing here well, to get behind. You have to as admit, far as I'm though, concerned. even and I agree with you. The fight, the fights in this are less than uh, than what we got in the in Episode One, and specifically the Darth Maul fight. So freaking good. It's excellent. Uh, it just this uh, the, the, nothing happens in this that really meets that you know, and it, that includes the the music in the fight sequences in this right. doesn't still doesn't even come close to the music in the in episode one. Um, I will say I found this easier to watch this time around. I, I really I don't think this is as terrible of a movie as I did when I first saw it. Um, it was fine. It it plays. It doesn't really. I don't know. It just doesn't hurt me, I guess. And I'll tell you, I think I know why a little bit. I, I feel like I've been desensitized to this type of storytelling here because this is essentially, uh, and I don't know what kind of flack I'm going to get for this, but these prequels are basically Twilight. Ooh. They are. Watch this movie and watch a Twilight movie. Tell me episode two wouldn't uh, fit into the storytelling narrative and an exact way those Twilight movies are told. It does. It fits in perfectly. It- it's the back very and young forth, adult. The I two can see what you're saying. Going on, yeah. uh, the people falling in love. You know, the the music. All it, it really is, uh, just like a Twilight movie, and and which is kind of the point because when George Lucas talks about these, he always talks about this as a as a space soap opera, right? In a way, and that really is what the prequels are. He was saying at the time, Titanic in space. He was aiming for that kind of tragedy love story, and it, this doesn't hit like that does on any level. This is my problem with this movie. It's entertaining in snippets. The first 20 minutes or so, I like pretty the entertaining. stuff. 
but then Obi-Wan really? becomes a private detective. I like gets, that. It, it gets, I, I didn't mind it. <laughs> that works for me. I like that. I didn't particularly like when he goes to, to Rex or Dex, I'm sorry, the, the reptilian creature who's the uh-huh. owner of the, the 1950s hot rod yeah, I didn't burger understand shop. that at all. What, that's so out of place <laughs> that it, it just feels it, odd to me. A long me. time it's like, ago oh, in a galaxy far, far away, I still have 50s diners. I like, what? Yeah, that, that felt, <laughs> that's too odd to me to get behind. I do like the planet or the the people that are making the clones that look at those aliens i thought that that was rainy planet that works then obi-wan is kind of forgotten about while we get this really pedestrianly written acted and shot love story that goes on on a series of scenes (laughs) i could not get through that especially that's the best part uh, uh, music wise of the entire movie that is the best part of is the music their love theme the John Williams love theme from episode two, I think, is the only thing that's worthy of taking. I don't know from the, way, the way they cut back and forth between this. I, this movie, I guess, along with episode one to some degree, and but especially this happens in episode three as well. It, George Lucas does not paint de- in detail. It, this is broad stroke shit, you know, like super broad stroke stuff. It's embarrassing. Um, it, it's, it's like it's like a second here, and these people are like, "Oh, we're in love." Well, no, don't love me. Yes. Ooh, and then immediately we're out of that. We're back into Obi Wan's like, like hmm, Yoda. Oh, uh, uh, there's like a star here, but it's not on this map. Oh, uh, like I don't know. And then the little kids, they need apparently they need little kids to tell them. Well, maybe someone deleted it from the map. <laughs> like, oh, which he oh, already knows. Okay, y'all couldn't figure that shit out. Yeah, what the fuck's going on here? He yeah. already knows this. Yet Jedi he, brain power here. But why? That that's a series of unnecessary scenes. He, he when he goes to the library, right. he finds that out. Then he goes to Yoda <laughs> to run it by him, and then we find out I mean, about I this agree. master. Cyphodeus character who were never introduced to in Phantom Menace yet is doing all this thing unilaterally you know while events are happening with Darth Maul and Palpatine and Phantom Menace over here but yet they're Sidious? building this army are you talking about no the the, the guy who, who? uh Cyphodeus when they go to the clone planet and he says oh, right, what Jedi right, right. okayed this right and he says the, 10 g- years the guy ago, that's dead that they don't that they just talk about in, what, in where is that character that, that seems like that would be like a big, big time character that set that up and was doing that in this kind of nefarious thing. Yeah, but I wonder how the, he, how did he fit into all this uh, really in the end? Because they do kind of, because uh, I think Dookie talks about him at some point. Yeah, and they kind of say that he was just, he was obviously up to no good. What function does Boba Fett and Jango Fett play in this movie, other than to set up why, what you already know down the my line? My question is why? Are the, why is there always only two Siths? A master and apprentice. Yeah, but but there's always only two. But why? Why can't? Wouldn't there be more than one? I don't know how their Sith uh, council feels about the. <laughs> but there's always only two. of other Siths. But even when there was, uh, when there was, you know the emperor or Sidious, whatever the hell. And then Darth Maul wasn't, you know, Dooku still around. Uh, I'm not <laughs> like sure. What, he, what was he recently turned? He That's what I don't understand. He recently was turned out. <clears throat> he, Joe exotic got to him. Yeah. But, uh, was, was he not a Sith then uh, already back then? So weren't there three of them? There'd be more. I don't understand that the whole, some of the, um, world building, I guess you would call it in this or the rules of which they try to explain that this world, structured and works in just uh, it doesn't seem to play out very well am i the only one i mean i really how do you feel about the clones 
about this explanation for this because it totally discredits. I, if you remember, uh, you know, very good scene in Clerks where they're arguing about uh, these stormtroopers being killed in the Death Star, right? And and if they if they were just uh, uh, innocent people there, if they knew what they were building, and so then it's okay that they die and stuff. Well, here they're this takes away any humanity from them i do think it takes away something i always thought of the stormtroopers as nazis because of the reference obviously the stormtrooper to the Mm -hmm. soldiers and a lot of the visualizations in the original star wars trilogy and even in this the formation of the troops the way that they're marching uh is is callbacks to nazi propaganda films and so there's there's some kind of power to those images, and then I always thought of the stormtroopers in the first the the first three that were released, New Hope, Return of the Jedi's, as being human inside there and making a conscious decision to do evil like the Nazis were doing, which made it even scarier that there was a human inside there. Uh, the fact that they're clones now, just it once again it removes me further from the material, which this movie continually does i started caring less and less about star wars as a universe as a whole as this movie went along the first time i saw it and it Mm -hmm. does again here i try to get into this movie it's not like i hate the thing i really don't i just think that it's lumbering i don't think that there's any high point at least phantom menace had at the halfway point something to perk it up this goes to a weird subplot that takes a lot from john ford's the searchers where he goes and finds his mom and slaughters the, yeah. the the sand people, which is a cool callback. And the jaw was, I like some of those images. Uh, and it, like I said, if you've seen John Ford's The Searchers, I'm not, have you ever seen that one, the old Western? I'm not sure if we saw mm-hmm. it in the film score or not. There is images from that where he goes and finds his mom. It's like, that. that's taken just from that. And uh, I, don't, I just, but it, it's, it's unnecessary in a lot of ways. That's how you're going to, sh- that's what turned him. He was already kind of going there, and that's what flew him over the dark side. Or is that just another? Well, I don't know that that's what turned him. Yeah, I think it is just another. After after having seen episode three, I can tell you it's just another aspect. He's his the character of Anakin at this point is such a whiny little bitch yes. of, of a kid who just is a, a terrible, horrible person. And Padme doesn't, for whatever reason, notice that. But in some ways, she's. It adds to it by pushing him away, even if she's trying to do it on purpose. Obviously, she wants him badly for whatever reason. Um, you know, last she saw him as a, a knee-high young, young boy. Yeah. She's, yeah, she's sold. So, all right. Um, but he's just a, t- a horrible person. He does not mask it at all. And everyone uh, throughout this, Obi-Wan, Padme, anyone he's around just looks at him and just goes, okay, I guess, but keep being a Jedi. It's he's, cool. He's a miserable son of a bitch, the basically. Hell? The, the yeah. whole movie, he's petulant. He's 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 whiny. He uh he he complains all the fucking time that he's not getting his way. And what Lucas doesn't do as a writer is counterbalance that with anything that he's doing good. Like what is like what's the moment? No, doesn't it seem like you just kick him out, right? Wouldn't you just be like, okay, you're not a Jedi anymore? But there's a moment where he could do something where you could counterbalance the evil nature with something where to give audiences like, well, there's hope in there still. But when he goes off on the revenge mission for his mom, that would have been the time to yeah. do something. Instead, they give him that goes further down the well. It never happens. But yet it doesn't happen in episode three either. Yeah. But he's back now 
somewhat mm. of a good guy because now we're in the Coliseum and he's gotten the love profe- you know, confession from the girl he loves. No, it's all hidden, right? It's almost all hidden. I mean, Padme keeps it hidden as well. When he tells her this, her reaction to it, to him killing everyone, and he even says the women and the children, yes. like, I just killed everyone. Her them. reaction is to help cover that up, is to basically say, okay, and and excuse it and, and forgive it in such a way. It's just such... Well, it's such a weird choice to make. And it goes on through all the way to the end of this uh, uh, with him. I, I just, he's not a very likable character in any way whatsoever. And the most likable character in the movie is, as far as I'm concerned, Obi-Wan, Ewan McGregor. Of and course, but he's almost dumb. He's almost a Keystone cop. That's what I'm saying. Why the private detective movie he's running around in and he's behind well, the gun like on that everything. Version of it, but he's just an idiot. Yeah, he is an idiot. He just, he's not very good. He's behind the eight ball and figuring everything out that we are starting to figure out before him. And it doesn't mean anything. This whole episode <laughs> doesn't mean anything. Well, they get the clones. They get the army, right? So, and that's the point of this episode, I guess, is to set up the furthering of the clone war, uh, beginning. the Republic getting, getting an army and stuff. And I just, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really it, it reveal anything else. Cause we already know that, <clears throat> what the senator's up to right or um well palpatine uh, we, we already know what he's up to right that he's faking this war he's basically got this droid army out there under his control and he's he's faking the whole thing this is all set up in the first one so now we've just armed the republic do you feel it's a we've little established unfair that in this movie who they are that <laughs> palpatine gains his power based on jar jar binks fuck up do you feel that in that scene when Padme is, or the, the yeah, queen he, is away. calls for it, you and, mean? Yeah, and he's been convinced. He's been uh, manipulated. Well, they all watch. Why do the main characters all watch from the sidelines always in this movie? Isn't it? It's so interesting. It's so weird. Even in episode three, it continues on. They just sit from the sidelines and watch everything happen. And it's, whether it's Padme or, you know, Yoda or whatever Samuel Jackson's character's name is. Mace Windu. Um, they're, they're, just, they're just sitting there watching this stuff happen, and then they'll talk about it like they're worried about it, but they don't fucking do anything about it. They're very reactionary. You know, until it's too late. Yeah. But they all just sit and watch and they're in horror, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. But you're right. Once Jar Jar Binks gets pushed to the sidelines, suddenly he gets involved and does shit. But also what I don't understand is that this is a movie that is supposed to be like like the last one. It's a kid's movie, yet you have it, – it's cut in with scenes about a fight for Senate control. This is the this least is, uh, family – friendly kids one, I would say. I would out agree. Of all, out of both of them. Out of the ones we've seen too far. the first that, ones. That I've, I've seen. So the first two. But even I, when you see episode three, you'll see there's, there's, a, there's a big difference in feeling there even. Although that one goes obviously – another direction altogether but there's no uh there's not a lot of of, i guess dorkiness as you would say uh if that works like it's not like as much uh yeah goofy there you go there's a better word for it it's just not a uh slapstick comedy type thing like this this one's uh super serious for some reason he's almost angry i feel like there's a lot of anger behind this that like lucas was almost uh upset about the perception that the phantom menace was too 
soft and he was going to give you something that was going to be all right well i'll show you that these characters can have some sort of uh resonance and 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 anger and it's shakespearean once again we're going with here and it's not the thing this comes off as young adult literature like you said wants it to be twilight-esque in a lot of ways but it feels like twilight i mean it feels like when i was watching this like i felt this before and i this is this is twilight don't don't you that feeling of it just it just washes over you so easily it's just like "Eh, yeah you kind of just give up like yeah okay i get what's going on broad strokes i got it i just (laughs) don't see why padme she is a smart person perceivably if she is the why youngest queen guy? and she's a senator yeah why is she with this child of a person that she knew you know some years back it, it makes no sense and even she she alluded to her first kiss and he gets all pissy about that it's just a shitty movie mm-hmm. in a lot of ways and i think that <laughs> it, I, I just remember how disappointed i was in this and we were uh in school and when this came out in film school, and I remember people uh-huh. going to the midnight showing and saying, okay, well, it's better than Phantom Menace. It's at least better than... People wanted to get behind these so fucking bad that we were willing to take anything. And it was so... It still is disappointing as mm-hmm. I see this movie. I still have the same problems with it. I just cannot... The flow of it is so off. That last act goes on forever. It's a series of action that after a while, it doesn't matter what's happening. They continue this fighting on these dull, visually dull uh, landscapes, really. I mean, that, that desert thing that they're fighting on in the, in the gladiator pit. We're supposed to get behind mm-hmm. that the Jedi are, are killing this crab creature and this fucking buffalo and these things. And then this droid clone fight that we've been hearing about for however many movies now. And this is what you give me? Yeah. I mean, I agree with you on that sense. There's certainly no... Uh the droid army is obviously very helpful in the sense that uh, they can just be killed willy-nilly. No one gives a shit. There's no blood but or any there, of that kind there of stuff. There comes yeah. a point. Yeah, well, there's no ethical conundrum there, right? But there does come a point in these movies where the Jedi do things that are not nice um, and they don't give a shit, you know? And so I don't know that I necessarily agree, even with the Jedi shit. Uh, where they talk about you know what what it means what what it means to be a Jedi I guess like well, how like how you're supposed to deal with things especially when Obi Wan's trying to and tell Anakin like oh, I gotta do this gotta do that whatever you know it's like I don't know man well I think this is a good example doesn't, doesn't sound like you guys are that great does it really doesn't sound like anyone's that great in the Star Wars universe like who's the good guys. Well, it's a complicated world out there, my friend. <laughs> I guess it is. It's a lot of gray but areas. Should it be? Should um, it be? Should there be that much gray area here? There's no one to get behind in this movie as a character. One. Two, it's visually yeah. not as interesting as Phantom Menace or Revenge of the Sith if memory I mean, serves. I, I still think they should have kept Qui-Gon Jinn until uh, the end of this movie. Yeah, I agree. And Darth Maul at I the end of this movie. Been I mean, they, they, and yeah, I mean, I, I could get behind that as well. There's no reason that they had to die at the end of uh, episode one. They could have set up a, a great fight there and let them both escape. And then, you know, episode two, you kind of had that. You know what's coming back. They're going to be there's going to be a final reckoning. It's a you know? rematch of sorts. Yeah, um, exactly. Which would have been much better, I think. And then still, you know, Qui-Gon Jinn can die. There's no, no reason to keep him alive or anything, but. Uh, especially for episode three, but episode two needed something else. This is, at, first of all, it furthers that Flash Gordon aesthetic that 
is way more prominent in Phantom Menace than it is in New Hope or any of the other ones. And it's, that really comes across mm-hmm. when Christopher Lee is hilariously riding on that scooter. And <laughs> I'm telling you, I think that the 1980 version of Flash Gordon, the Mike Hodges film with Sam J. Jones, is more entertaining in a better movie than Attack of the Clones. I'm, I, I, this is, first of all, this Disney Plus is polishing the shit out of these movies. This has never looked this good. I saw this oh, in the theater. Great. It didn't look this good. I, we, did you come with me and we saw this in IMAX? This was a, a rare re-release in IMAX. Do you recall that? I mean, I don't remember. I, yeah, I, 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 I don't we remember saw that seeing this in theaters. On an IMAX oh, blow up at one point, like in late 2002, they have. early 2003, when they, they kind of they did that with Apollo 13, they did that with this and a few other movies. Right. Uh, and we, it was like the IMAX experience, they were calling it. It wasn't a true IMAX screen. I don't know. I don't remember this one so much. I, we, we, I remember episode three. We for sure saw that. Yeah, yeah we for sure um, saw that, yeah. But I don't uh, know if we if I don't think we did. I don't think I, we saw it. No, two. okay. I I, I saw it, so I saw it on the IMAX, and uh, and I, like I said, I saw it was was very disappointed coming out of it, especially having seen just as having seen Spider Man and in episode two mm-hmm. from like a historical box office you know like a merchandising point of view was supposed to be the movie of two thousand two, which was everything was getting out of the way of, which is why Spider Man came out a few weeks early so that it could make some bucks before it probably got kicked to the side. And it's so funny in hindsight how Marvel took some lessons, I, I presume, from the debacle that was these prequels in that Lucas was writing these stories backwards, working in himself out of a corner and into a box, you know, and all these, these oh, problems yeah. that were arising. And you got to believe that because sure, well, things the have to line up. already done. Yeah. So you, now you have to write the setups. Yeah. Which is which is not that great. It's <laughs> crazy. Which, yeah. is, which is the problem of these movies is that the payoffs in these individual movies as standalone films uh, is not very good in these first two movies. There's very little payoff. And, and, the, and you know, we're grabbing at straws mm-hmm. in Phantom Menace with the pod race and then the Darth Maul scene at the end there, the fight. Where in this, like I said, there's there's nothing. And then they throw everything at the screen in the last 30 minutes. And it's fucking right. overwhelming. I tuned out. It's overwhelming to me. And, and like I said, I just didn't give a shit. And then they end it with the fucking wedding. Are you kidding me? You're going to end it with the wedding <laughs> shot? Like this is Romeo yeah. and Juliet? I mean, get out of here. But this didn't do as well as Phantom Menace. Didn't do as well as Revenge of the Sith would do. It's the lowest grossing of the three films. Maybe that was impacted by Spider-Man. I say it was impacted by not the not the people being turned off by Phantom Menace, but by the bad work that was generated based on this film. Do you think that there was a residual effect from Phantom Menace on this box office wise, or do you think it was just the worst? I don't. You don't actually think it's the worst. I I, I think this is. I don't think this is well the worst Star Wars movie. Yeah. No. 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 Uh, We we have to revisit that Um, conversation on our last episode. Fine. No, because it's really it's an okay movie. It didn't bother me that much watching it this time. I I get what it is now so um i'm i'm at peace with it <laughs> doesn't it feel so plastic um, though it's so artificial what does not feel plastic about episode one and what doesn't feel plastic about episode three these the entire prequels yeah there's nothing tactile. not good you know they're just not that they're just not that good you know but i don't know that they are the worst things ever like i say i i've sat through three twilight movies i i still i've never finished that series all i guess i never will i should just come to that 
conclusion now <laughs> <laughs> time time wasted you know <laughs> but uh but these feel like that to me they really do like i they they just they don't it doesn't feel like lucas has what it takes anymore at this point to make a good movie that's what it feels like when you watch these you know, like you like he gets what it takes but he just doesn't have it well, I think he's a better producer than a director, and I think that was evident yeah. many times before. Let's not forget this that. stuff's set up. It's set up. It could be a great, but yeah. it's but like the fine details in this uh, are either non-existent or they're just too broadly stroked. They, they come off as just too heavy. It's too much. Now, having said that about these being plastic and not tactile, I mean, you look at something like Lord of the Rings which was slaved over and, you know, Oscar mm-hmm. nominated all the way through and is just held in such high esteem. If it's a rainy day and TNT has a Lord of the Rings movie on and TBS has a Star Wars prequel movie on, I'm most likely watching the Star Wars prequel. Where, where do you stand on that? I'm probably not watching either one. Of them. You're probably turning the fucking TV off, <laughs> right? I'm watching something else, yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, to one extent... Or I suppose we just have two com- complete opposites, right? The Lord of the Rings, especially the books, are written to such extreme detail that it's hard to get through. Yes. The prequels are the exact opposite. I think they're sketches. You know, and there's a lot of uh, yeah, and there's a lot of there's a lot going on in the prequels. It's not as if there's not a lot of detail to be had there. They just aren't. It's just. N- how do you really explain it i guess in that sense because there's a lot of shit that happens in this movie yet nothing happens well what's kind of ingenious is take that what you will i don't know it's kind of an ingenious thing and you just you just kind of said it was that there i said it's kind of the whole thing's a broad sketch all right and you said there is detail and things to be filled in but it doesn't you know what he did Lucas left this open so all of these fucking novelists and comic <laughs> books can do these sidebars within this stuff. And well, then it's make true. It. We have those I'm TV shows, you. Clone Wars TV shows. They did have a shitload of books. Um, video games. Uh, yeah, video games. I mean, I guess, but I don't know. I just, I don't think, I think Lucas wanted to do this. You know, that's what he wanted. He wanted to make these movies. But he didn't really want to sit down and really write them out all that much, you know. And I guess this was an issue with the with four, five, and six, right? And the actors have always had this issue with him as a director. The dialogue, where he doesn't does not give a shit about those tiny details, um, and and that's exactly what an actor cares about. Mm-hmm. All they care about, right? which is their doesn't job. care. Say it. Say the words on the written written here on the page. Just say the words and yeah. fucking done, right? So. I don't know. I, I, I guess he's just not that great of a filmmaker, but he's good idea, man. As you said, good producer. And I think, yeah, I mean, coming up with uh, Star Wars as, a, as an idea in general and, uh, you know, plotting out exactly what happens throughout it. Good stories. Bad good execution. Stories, but I, Bad yeah, execution. I don't these, think these are these prequels. I actually that well. think that from what memory serves and I'm excited to now move on and look at Revenge of the Sith because I held that in high esteem and we'll talk about that on the next episode but from what I remember mm-hmm. it felt like that was the movie he wanted to make and he had to sit through these other right. two but by the time he got to the third movie he was already sick again of Star Wars I mean I remember the interviews with him at the time and he almost seemed like 
you know, like you guys can have, like I'm done. Like I'm walking away. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like Jordan in the second retirement, you know, there's like, <laughs> I'm fucking, I'm, I'm good. I'm good to go here. Yeah, this one's for real. And true to his word, he was not returning uh, at all. So, you know, you, do you place this Attack of the Clones ATOTC above TPM, the Phantom Menace? <laughs> um i yeah i mean i would i think this is easier to watch than uh and obviously you're gonna disagree with that but i think phantom menace is just too uh it's two movies it's too uh it doesn't know what it is or what it wants to be 100 percent. this movie at least knows exactly what it's doing um, albeit that's fair. Uh, it's not not super exciting, you know, but it, it doesn't it doesn't feel as disjointed to me as episode one does. Uh, that, but I don't know. That's a fair and, and, and there's the, you got the Yoda fight in this too. Remember the Yoda fight? I, Actually, yeah. that is the one thing I remember wa- seeing this in theaters and seeing the Yoda fight, and everyone made such a big deal about yes. uh, about Yoda and the acrobatics and shit. I, I just remember people clapping. Because they were trying to find anything. And at that point, that Yoda fight comes about two hours and five minutes into a two hour oh, yeah. and 30 minute movie. So it's a long slog to get to that point. So we were looking for anything. But even at the time seeing that, I thought this, the reason I always thought that the Darth Maul stuff worked besides the, the score and, and was the choreography. And you had Ray Park, who was a hell of a martial artist, doing a lot of fancy mm-hmm. shit. And and Neeson and McGregor are playing off of what he's doing, but he's doing the heavy lifting in that scene. Here you have a computer-generated image and an older man. There's nothing there that's <laughs> that's interesting. I mean, it's all. So you didn't like it. It's it's just not that saying? I didn't like it. It just it was like watching a fucking cartoon. It was like there's nothing here. There's no yeah. choreography. There's no artistry. It was all done in a computer. And an older man who really didn't have any experience with green screen. I mean, I, I know exactly what you're talking about because it's a lot stiff. of the fighting in episode one, when you have the droid fighting and then all the droid fighting throughout episode two, and after a while, it just feels like, yeah, like I don't give a shit about these droids. They're fucking, no. they don't do anything. They just die right away. Fucking good. Are they, you know, get rid of these things. It's a waste of time to sit here and pretend like we're having a big battle. Yeah, it's cartoonish um, in there. That's, that's my so big yeah, complaint. I agree with you. And the other thing is, yeah, why are the in, in the, these prequels the Jedi are so inept uh, at doing it? Like, look at Yoda. Well, just watch what Yoda does in episodes one, two, and three, and where he ends up at going into episode four. Uh, you know, or going into that. Well, he's revered the timeline and there. And here he's not that. Of course bright. he is. I can't do shit. He gets defeated here. <laughs> Obviously, he gets defeated in episode three. No spoiler alert. There should you know for anyone. Like the right. dudes can't can't do fucking. He's a badass fucking Jedi guy, and he can't do shit. He definitely took an L in All his fight against Dooku here because this is a. Uh, I mean, he takes not- an L in episode three too. I yeah. know, he takes an L in everything. He doesn't fucking know anything. Obi Wan comes to him in this and is like, "Well, but Master Yoda, like, what the fuck happened to this?" And Yoda's like, "Oh." Me, little and green. I don't fucking know. Ask the kid. <laughs> well, I, I thought <laughs> like, that they what? were trying to... I always thought that with that, because Dooku was his Padawan, that it was supposed to be a foreshadowing of what was going to happen with Obi-Wan and Anakin in the next movie with the hand and the whole nine. I, I don't know. I thought that that was maybe setting something up that Anakin could see <laughs> that your Padawan... I think just, the only thing I, I could been be set up is that the Jedi that. are incredibly inept at doing much of fucking anything. Well, like you said, they're sideline um, players in this movie because everybody's then all the movies. By the time the they decide to develop. do something, it's too late. 
I, mean, I just I don't I really understand um, this. I, the Sither, especially Palpatine, obviously is just hugely more powerful than any of the Jedi. Well, what I'm looking forward to now is getting into a run of Star Wars movies that I really like. Yes. Uh, yes. And, and, and I'm, and I'm hoping that can carry me over into the new ones. Yes. And maybe maybe I can skip over the, you know episode 8 to some degree in that, in that realm, you know, cuz I already know. I already I I already know about that one. Oh, no, no, no. You it's know? quarantine time, baby. You got to watch Last Jedi. I rewatched it recently. Oh, I'm watching it, but I mean I I'm hoping that I can get enough momentum to where you know, you can just you can blow through it. <laughs> I think that you're going to appreciate Last Jedi that a little hurts. bit more. It does, but I think you're going to appreciate it a little bit more because it's a lot of the things that you said about Attack of the Clones, which is at least it knows what it is, and it's a lot more serious yeah. than than seven or nine we'll for that matter. And it's the most like this fucking prequel in a lot of ways. In is that a lot the same with all the the middle ones? You know, because Empire Strikes Back, obviously the more serious. Yeah, it might be of those. And so the middle I ones mean, just Empire set more the serious. precedent of the middle chapter being the cliffhanger, being the dark one. We look at Pirates of the Caribbean did that, Lord of the Rings did that. There's like that was kind mm-hmm. of the thing to do. You leave your characters in this cliffhanger. What's going to happen now? Tune in for episode three. And uh, that's a good segue out that we will be back with the next episode, which is going to be episode three, Revenge of the Sith, as we continue our our journey through the Star Wars films. And uh, we're having a lot of fun looking at this through the quarantine. And um, if you ha- if you don't have Disney Plus by now, I don't know who out there doesn't at this point. Everybody seems to have it. They really are cleaning these things up, and they're sharp. And there's extra little tidbits, I feel like, here. I feel like there's extra tags here or there or, like, Especially in that sequence when uh, Anakin slaughtered the Space Raiders. Was there a few more Space Raiders mm-hmm. than I remember before? I don't know if they did that on the Blu-ray. But I don't recall there being that many shots of uh, the, te- the the people. There. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely seeing, in any case, the Sand most people. recent yeah. touch-up version of these movies. Yeah, they're, they're gorgeously <laughs> done at this point. I mean, they're just... They look... They look gorgeous. I can't think they of have the most extra stuff than, than any of the others. So yeah, but, well, I can't imagine any other franchise that's been gone through as much. Although I will say that the you can tell even at this point, um, even after they've been touched up and had shit added to them over over the years, uh, they still look old. <laughs> like the CGI still at times is like. Mm. I still think that they have eyeline problems with the CGI because they're such. It's still the infancy yeah. in a lot of ways of that. Um, sometimes they don't like, look like they're looking God. where they should be looking in a lot of ways but that's just my opinion on that that's going to do it for episode 105,000 million I don't even know what episode this is anymore I think this is just a, a Star Wars march uh, episode 2 yeah episode 2 thank you A-T-O-T-C <laughs> uh, speaking for Trevor Anderson I am Jason Rugard and we are the Movie Mavericks oh my another magnificent episode has come to an end If you're craving more, set your destination to moviemavericks.com, warp 9. Engage!